0: The show today could be a standalone episode, but it also bookends very nicely with Dr. Andrew Gallimore and his DMT research. American Bolden is always searching for a way to figure out how can we disagree on issues but bring humanity together for the common good. Perhaps psychedelics and what we learn from being on them could teach us a thing or two about how it is that we are in relation with one another in order to make a more perfect and unifying society for us to live in. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Let's get emboldened. they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, Bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. As always, I'm your host, Greg Bolden both here on the America Out Loud Network, as well as on Patreon, and everywhere you get your social media feeds, whether you're watching this YouTube, Rumble, et cetera, you get the deal. Make sure you go over though to AmericaOutloud.news to check out all my colleagues' work, as well as the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, which is available 24-7, 365 days out of the year. All those radio shows and podcasts like mine available on your iPhone device or Android device or on the website. Let's get straight into today's show. If you've noticed, I've been shifting my focus a bit to bringing in another element to the political sphere, the political conversation. When I started America Emboldened, I had a mission statement that I was going to try to figure out why different people cannot speak to one another, why Democrats are horribly polarized against Republicans, despite the fact that we're all on the same earthly journey We all want, I believe, what's best for our children, for the earth and for future generations. And so when I look at the news of the week, when I look at what's going on in politics, I try to cut through the crap and just go to how does the average person see this and why does it matter? Let's get away from the mainstream news, the type of uh, environment where people might influence the way you think. And as I've gone on that journey, I found myself, now thinking more about energy, thinking more about what is it about the way that I approach topics that can sometimes ruin the show that I'm about to do and have people turn off and have negative responses to it or what is it about the positive things that I do on the show that people are going I love the episode you did yesterday. And as I've been hosting people like Laurie Elizabeth or Chris Largent and talking about the esoteric world, I realized there's got to be a place where I can marry the energy side of stories and how we relate to one another as well as the political side of what people need to know things that they haven't been learning about and so i was very excited lining up this show speaking with somebody that i knew from a long time ago back in college but i haven't talked to him since college that's how long it's been even back in college we weren't incredibly close but we were both in the television and film world as far as majoring in it and we both have that love and passion for film uh just to this day so today i'm bringing onto the show david darling now david darling is now a trained energy healer he's been practicing shamanic healing for over 10 years he's also a spiritual life coach helping people uncover and transform the limiting beliefs that are holding them back he's guiding them to find clarity purpose and inner peace in their lives. He is also an advocate for the decriminalization and legalization of psychedelic therapies. And he provides specialized coaching sessions around preparation and integration work with these powerful medicines. So without further ado, welcome David Darling to America emboldened. Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Like it's it's fun starting off a show with somebody that I, I actually know. Um, but I don't know. Right? Like (laughs) we haven't seen each other, you know, we're seeing each other through a camera on opposite sides of the world, basically. And in a sense, part of different parts of the globe, but I don't know the journey you've been on. You don't know the journey that I've been on. Yeah. And yet that's the one thing that's a constant for all of us. We're all on this ball in order to make the most of our lives. We all want to have success. We all want to be loved to give love and i'm wondering as i'm doing this podcast i'm going am i contributing to that environment that i'd like to see in the world or am i tearing it down (laughs) and so for somebody who is a trained energy healer somebody who is into shamanic healing i'm going to start right there tell me about your journey how did you get into the line of work that you're doing but really the spiritual journey of your life? Hmm. Well,
1: it's a very big question. Um, where can we start with that? I mean, I think like most people who get into healing work, it starts with your own healing, you know? So this started for me with a sense of wanting to feel better back when I was in my early twenties, living in New York city, feeling confused. You know, I was raised in as many of us were in, in church, in the Christian model. Um, and that worked for a time, but then that stopped working for me. And so I began asking questions and reading lots and lots of books, which were, was both helpful and also confusing because it was like too much, you know, I had spiritual indigestion basically from trying to put too many things together. And I, and then to simplify, I started doing uh, breath work. I found a, a breath worker and that was my sort of entry point into the healing world. And that was really wonderful. Uh, I liked it because it didn't have any ideology, right? There's no buy-in to breathing yeah. of, of clearing energy, moving energy. Um, it was guided with a, a breath worker who would take me through these emotional release processes and really wonderful from there um, sort of by happenstance, dance or or divine appointment I met a shaman an Australian shaman that was friends with this breath worker and I did a healing session with her and it was like a homecoming it was instantly um, just felt it just felt right it just felt good and natural and I don't know it was one of those moments that was kind of transcendent you know I'd never had um, a shamanic healing before which I do now uh being fe- uh, healed with feathers and rattles and and sacred song and things i didn't understand working with the spirit world you know right um so i worked with that woman for about 10 years she also introduced me to she took me to peru to have my first encounter with with ayahuasca um, which is for people that don't know very um intense jungle brew hallucinogenic plant medicine gaining a lot of popularity these days uh and then from there you know worked with another group uh that i still work with down in santa fe and they kind of more formally trained me to do shamanic healing um and i've had yeah my own practice for 10 years it just felt like if i like you if i can help people you know and this is where life has has funneled me into this path. I wasn't planning on doing this. Right. Um, and so I've been doing it since then, cause it's just feels right to do, you know? And
0: and, and I want to point out to people you haven't, you're not like a, a shaman that has disconnected from the world completely. You still know what's going on in politics. You still know what's going on uh, that are major pressing issues in people's lives. You're still paying attention to that, but you're looking at it, through a different lens than the average person. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say even in the last couple of years, I've been through a process of sort of deconstruction where I feel less and less identified with any political ideologies and kind of seeing that substrate underneath all of us, the common experience of what do we all really want? We all just want to be happy. And we just have different ideas of how to get there, right? And that's what we're we're busy arguing about.
0: Unfortunately we're arguing way too much about all this. Uh, (laughs) we'll, we'll get into that today a little bit. Um, okay. So when you're talking about the shamanic healing, I have two different audience members that are going to be listening to the show. And so (laughs) I'm going to try to identify you for David right now. So that way you know that you're represented. The first audience member is going to be the ones going, yes, so glad that Greg's going back here with yet another guest. I can't wait to hear what David's going to say. It's going to take me further into my journey of where I want to be. And for that, this episode is definitely for you. Okay. The other listeners are going to go, oh, Greg, can you just go back to giving your takes on the politics? I'm not in the esoteric. I'm in the energy world. I don't believe there's anything to all this mumbo jumbo. Um, and Why should they stick with the conversation that we're going to talk about today? Why is this so important to understand this place of energy work versus disconnecting from it and just letting life play out?
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know that it is important. If they don't want to listen to me, they certainly don't have to. I'm not telling people to turn off your show. Um, But it is a common experience, and what I'm talking about isn't really esoteric. I didn't read any secret books that you've never heard of or get initiated into, you know, secret lineages. And that's kind of where this journey has brought me now as a middle-aged, you know, dad and husband uh, is to just live a good life. You know, the, the shamanic path to me is not to keep my head in the clouds interacting with the spirit world and whatever there's a time and a place for that kind of work. But the the real work of it to me is how does this help me to live a better life? Mm -hmm. And a big part of it for me was moving out of New York City, which is its own very liberal bubble, and coming to Colorado, where I am now, where there's a wonderful mix of people. And that was kind of the first step in my deconstruction. It was not knowing when I encountered people what their political views were, (laughs) right? Because in New York, you can kind of assume everybody's vote in the same way, very blue state for the most part. And out here, you know, I see Trump signs, I see Biden signs and everything in between. And, and it ended up, it ended up having the effect on me that I don't care, that I'm just interested in meeting the person and Mm -hmm. talking to the person and realizing, like I'm saying, that they want the same things that we all want. Everyone just wants to be happy and we have different ideas about how to go about that. So for me, it all comes back to just awareness. That's the common thread of life. If you don't want to use the word God or spirit or anything that sounds woo-woo or far out there to you, it's just about awareness or consciousness, right? We're all aware beings. We can all agree on that, you know? So that's kind of the bottom line um, that, we're, that we're building on. And the problem we get into is, is the, the objects of our awareness, the things we get obsessed on and focused on and arguing about. And we get so distracted by that, that we forget who we are. We forget that our, our base nature is just open awareness. It doesn't have any judgments. It is unconditional love. It is spacious, curious, patient. It's all the qualities we aspire to be. That's who we naturally are. So the spiritual path for me is not finding who I am or discovering something. It's actually shedding all these layers that I acquired through my youth, through school, through church, through parents, through everything else, and getting jumbled up with ideas about who I think I am. But who you are is not who you think you are. Who you are has nothing to do with the thoughts in your head, which is a far-out concept for a lot of people because we get so identified with our thoughts and our beliefs yep. that we drive ourselves crazy, We and we don't know who we are. You know, yep. We're the only species on the planet that doesn't know what it is. Everything else... A tree knows how to be a tree. Your dog knows how to be a dog. People are scrambling around trying to figure out what are we? What are we? And what are we for? Are we? We're trying to make machines to replace everything that we do, but but what are we for? Why are we actually on this planet to begin with?
0: So one of my guests, Laurie Elizabeth, she was talking about the same concept uh, several months ago, and she said, "You know, we're human beings, and at some point in time, we started becoming human doings." that everybody's so busy doing something that they forgot the presence of being. They forgot in order to understand themselves, it can't be found inside a phone. It can't be found inside an identity of politics, that the only place you can find is searching deep within. And, uh, I think you will get this word as well, a deconstruction of oneself as to understand why you are the way that you are and I have shared before on the show there, I believe there's three different realities. There's the reality of how we see ourselves. There's a reality of how other people see us. And then there is just how we are. And the saddest part I think in life is the majority of individuals never get to experience themselves just as they are, because there's so much noise around us, so much distraction and slant. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, that takes me to psychedelics, really, because that's been the greatest tool that I've seen in my life and people around me um, as a way to bypass all of that noise, as we call it, to see what's actually underneath. Who am I behind the curtain? You know, what's going on underneath this? We spend so little time looking within right we're so externally focused on our lives and and staying busy and staying online and scrolling and and streaming and 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 living our lives a lot of it's necessary but it's equally necessary to have a meditation practice or any kind of quiet time where you're just reflecting you know and being quiet being still right when i talk about the true our true nature being openness awareness it's also stillness it's also silence who we are is before our thoughts, it's before our language, it's before we're doing anything. And it's really hard concept for us to understand. It's actually so simple that you know the mind can't understand it because the mind has to chop everything up and complexify it into millions of pieces and try to create maps for it. But it's actually just this right here, just connecting with you. This is it. It's just awareness talking to itself.
0: <laughs> Psychedelics. So I I've never touched them. Um, I'm a prude. Uh, I've never got into smoking marijuana. Even, uh, I can say that with a straight face to you. That wasn't my world (laughs) whatsoever. When I hear about psychedelics, it's a horrifying thing to me to think about. My brain is going to be altered for a time period where I'm not going to experience the world, the safe way that I've come to box things into. For listeners that are aware of uh, what psychedelics do, I apologize for where I'm going, but I just want everybody else to be on the same page. When you're talking about psychedelics that help you on your journey, uh, you just talked about the ayahuasca. What are some other psychedelics that you're referring to? And then can we start breaking down what that's enabling for individuals? Uh,
1: Primarily ayahuasca and psilocybin mushrooms I've Mm -hmm. worked with. Um, There's been some other ones, but... For the sake of this conversation, we can keep those two. They work in somewhat similar ways. Um, what do you want to talk about with them? Sure. So, uh,
0: why? Why, why psilocybin? Them? Why mushrooms? Why do them? What's happening in that deconstruction event that's allowing people to focus inward that you find to be healing? Um, make a case for me if I were to say, you know, hey, you know what, David. I at times struggle with an OCD perspective of needing to be perfect and too much anxiety because I put a lot of pressure on myself. Maybe I need to deconstruct that or issues with my, my past life of family issues or whatever I want to deconstruct. Yeah. Why is that so helpful? Because I've read the studies, but I'm looking for your experience and what you bring to that.
1: There's different ways to look at it. I mean, one way is that is what, what I was talking about earlier about identification. So we become so identified with our thoughts and our beliefs and just our personality selves, so the ego self, I call it. I mean, many people call it. Um, so that's one amazing thing that that these plant medicines have shown me is when you go into their world, um, it becomes very clear that that's not who you are. It's an aspect of who you are, but it's not the core of who you are. It's not your real self right? And this might sound weird again for some listeners, but who you are was not born and will never die. Again, it's the eternal consciousness, eternal awareness. So the body comes, the personality comes, and the life unfolds. And then the body goes, but there's awareness the whole time. And it never changes. It's not affected by anything that's happened in your life, any trauma or challenging scenario you've been through, like at a deep spiritual level of awareness, you're untouched by all of it. So to me, the psychedelics uh, revelations came as a relief, right? Because I was like many people suffering from like being too serious and too stressed out about am I doing it right? Am I being the best me I can be? Am I making people happy or whatever? And And it became, the game changed after that, where it wasn't about who am I in the world, but like who am I in relationship to myself, and do I know myself, and do I have that that knowing and that connection to what some people call God? I just now call spirit for sake of trying to be more open with the language, Um, but... To me, that's kind of the whole work is when you know who you are, when you can deconstruct yourself to know that you are just awareness, that you are just spirit, everything else falls into place because it bypasses the mind, which is forever endlessly busy trying to construct your life and manage every little part of it. It's an impossible task. And it's why people are having anxiety and depression and all sorts of things these days because we're just overtaxing ourselves in a way that we're not meant to function, you know? So I, again, bring it back to like, it's very, it's actually very simple.
0: <laughs> you made a comment at the very beginning there that we're entering the psilocybin world, the plants world. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of curious about that language that you just used because I've often looked at a scene when I'm out up on the mountains, right? And I see these trees that are going on for miles, the rolling Hills to the water. And I can't help think, but there's this communication that's going on. That's very complex between birds and trees and the butterflies flying by me, the water as well. I always feel like there's this beautiful connection at a beach as the waves hit the shore and on a hiking trail in the middle of the mountains. And in that moment, I feel like I'm experiencing the plants world in the mountains or the oceans world, the waters world at the beach. And it's always been a place where I can feel relaxed. I'm curious by taking something like uh, psilocybin, which is a a fungus mushroom, right? Mm -hmm. By taking something like that, is it truly that we are reconnecting maybe with those roots and rooting ourselves instead of having a brain that's just going around here, is that bringing ourselves into this perspective of the tree doesn't care that it's a tree. The <laughs> grass doesn't care that it's grass. Is, is that kind of what you're getting at? Like a and you don't care about the ego instead. It's a different perspective.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. That's actually the other, I think, big piece of how these plant medicines work is they also make it very clear that you are a part of everything our interconnected nature, right? That's another thing that we've forgotten and are suffering from right now, which again is all the mind thinking we're separate, the belief in separation, you know, in in sort of my school of thought with the healing work I do, that's sort of the bottom line. The only thing that you need to heal is your belief in separation, the belief that you're separate from anything, from God, from nature, from each other, from ourselves sometimes we feel disconnected, right? So, These medicines have a wonderful way of bringing us back into harmony by reminding us, like, this is all a beautiful cosmic dance that is really incomprehensible to the mind. There's no way you could ever understand how the trees and the river and the mycelium and the sunshine and the rain and how it all works in perfect harmony, how the trees know when to blossom, when to drop their leaves, when to fruit, and the animals that pollinate. And it's just... it's. It's so complex and it's so beautiful, right? You can get lost in that uh, in that awe and uh, that wonder of like, this is incredible. We are living in a miraculous environment, in a miraculous space. But the mind comes in and it comes in with labels. That's a tree. That's a river. I've seen that before. I know what that is. There's some quote, I forget who said it, which is like, once, you, once t- someone tells you the name of a tree, you'll never see a tree again. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like we only pull up the label and we don't interact with what the thing is, you know. So there's some wonderful meditations like walking meditations where, say, you walk through the woods and you pretend you don't know what anything is called. Pretend it's the first time you've ever seen a tree in your life and get into that playful space of being a child. And it just awakens parts of us that are like, this is all. I never have seen this tree. I've seen other trees, but look at this beautiful creation.
0: I miss that childlike eyes to see and hear. Um, You know, having children now and experiencing it through them is a gift. But at the same time, I don't know that I've truly reached that presence back with them or my imagination's still going the exact same way. Like I could be laying down with my son, looking up at clouds and him saying, Hey, look at the horse that's coming across or look, there's Bowser. Uh, and I can say, yeah, I can see that, but I'm not sure that my eyes truly see that and that's a beautiful lesson there. The remember to not see with labels, but to truly see what's in front of us. And isn't that a great analogy for what is going on in the world? We've labeled everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, People almost are uncomfortable not having labels. Yeah, that's maybe that's part of the problem.
1: I would say so, you know, I I encountered that a lot, uh, like people want to know which side of the thing is on before they have all the information there, they'll be ready to condemn it if they hear that it's on the other Mm -hmm. side. Right. And so there is no honest and open engagement with ideas. We don't have the ability to have conversations as adults, you know, which is why I love what you're doing here. Like you really are playing in that space of like, let's forget about our ideologies and wherever we might disagree and try to find this common space. And truly we're only able to work together to move forward if we can find a way to work together. And we can't do that until we can put some of this petty stuff down of, you're wrong
0: (laughs) part of that pettiness and part of that you're wrong. I think does come from a sense of, can people actually be wrong? Can people be inverting the natural nature of life to a use that is not what nature intended it to be. And therefore that inversion leads us into a path where people are angry going, I know, that that flower is not a tree. <laughs> right. Um, so don't tell me that that flower is a tree. Um, you know, don't tell me that this is the only person that stands for moral beliefs. When I know that these other people have moral beliefs too, you just may not like the fact that they stand for two other things. How much do you believe when you're working with other individuals on their own healing has been the influence of other egos into our own? And that the, break this down for listeners because i might be a little heady i understand what i'm saying i think david you probably get where i'm going with this how much of like when the news media says that you know republicans are useless right now because they refuse to act on a border bill and everybody gets upset oh republicans forgot to do this but when you really look at it you're like oh there was 10 other things tied to that bill right that they didn't want to sign off on they would have been fine had it just dealt with the border. And so there's people that invert that. And what I was getting with the ego, it's the same as like, you're not good enough. And then eventually you start to believe the big lie of you're not good enough. I, I know it's convoluted. I'm trying to tie it on both ends. Uh, yeah. That makes sense at all. Uh, eh, somewhat okay. <laughs> a little muddled <laughs> to be honest. Um, it felt muddled. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I, I I appreciate what you're saying. I mean, yes, uh, kind of the direction I'd like to go with that is when you talk about inverting certain things, inverting certain truths, like for me, I get activated around technology like i got I got pretty worked up this week about the vision Pro goggles yeah. like that's not the direction I think we need to be heading in as a species, right That's not something that seems to be bringing us together but creating more division like, do we all need to be sitting around with goggles on our face? Is this world not enough? Is the, is the mountains and the river not enough? We need to see our apps and our email over top of it or whatever. Um, and I know that's probably reductive and annoying to people that are very excited about the vision pro and I'm sure good things can come out of it too. Um, but what I want to say about that is, you know, there are things in us that get stirred that don't feel right. To go back to your question of right and wrong, because in a sense, in an absolute sense, I don't believe in right and wrong. You know, I think as Marcus Aurelius says, uh, "There there is no good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Everything just is what it is prior to our judgments of it. If we can just meet things as they are, they're not good or bad, but we, the mind immediately comes in and says, no, I don't like that. So it's bad. Or this is great. It's good. Bring me more. Um, but I think in this world to kind of address what you're doing on this show with the political sphere is that there is still a way to engage with what's happening in the world, uh, If that's something you feel really passionately about, this is not the direction our country should be moving in, there's still a way to take action around those things without labeling them as bad or wrong and vilifying and demonizing the people that are doing them, right? And that's kind of another big part of, I think, what we've lost as a country, maybe in some ways globally, is our sense of the sacred, is our sense that this all is a miracle that you are alive, that we have bodies and we can talk, you know, we're using technology for good right now. We're connecting and sharing this with people. Right. So that's a lovely thing that we can do. Um, But we've forgotten at a base level that this is whatever you want to call it. This is all a sacred affair that's happening. And when that goes out the window in comes the possibility for what we call evil, right? And evil is only that, is only the ability that we have to deny what we would call sacred or divine in ourselves and in each other. You can't kill somebody if you are aware of their divine nature, Mm. right? So that's another thing that I'm trying to share with people to bring back into this conversation that will foster respect and cooperation and all the things we need is just this you don't have to agree with me. We don't have to be best friends, but you have to acknowledge that we're all children of, of the divine of great spirit of whatever label you prefer, or we're all aware, conscious and we all have the right, right to live, to take any kind of spiritual talk out of it. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that get caught up on that spiritual talk. And you know, once you start saying that, that they can't hear anything else, but if we could just acknowledge the, the concept of everybody's life is special and unique, or as you put sacred and divine, I, I I think we'd be in a much better place. We need to take a quick break here on the network. Um, it, We'll come back and say, I want to, I want to explore more about the divide that we experience here in the country. Um, But before we do that, uh, head on over to americaoutloud.shop, where you can check out all the different sponsors for the show, Uh, help us bring this content throughout the course of the week, bringing you the America Emboldened podcast uh, here on the network, as well as uh, you can go over to patreon.com backslash America Emboldened subscribe, and you get extended video content of all my episodes, including this show today. Uh, So you'll be able to hear about an extra half hour if you're finding this conversation's uh, very uh, engaging to you. I'll be in about an extra 30 minutes of bonus content on my Patreon page. So make sure you go over there and sign up and engage there. Uh, We're building a great community of bold Americans, uh, just trying to solve this exact question and conversation that David Darling and myself are talking about. All right, everybody. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, David Darling. Be right back in just a moment. Well, the year 2024 must be the year of the Patriot, and AmericaOutLoud.news will equip you with all the information you need to give new meaning to the words Patriot Act. For our actions always ultimately define our words. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and
1: justice for all. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness.
0: So I guess this is where I believe the struggle then is where people get divided. The Age of Enlightenment, right? When you when you talk about the people, the, the free thinkers that were the creatives that helped frame the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uh, they were taking back from the Greeks classical philosophy and looking at morality through the lens of the Greeks and figuring out what does that look like in the new world in, in the 1700s. And so when they created the Bill of Rights, from what I've studied and what I've read, they had agreed that there were certain moral standards that were a right for every single human being. And as a result, they started framing out the document, which became the constitution of the United States that would say that, yes, you have a right to life. Yes. You have a right to free speech. Yes. You have a right to your property, which is a really important, uh, right, because property can be both the land as well as your children and uh, a bunch of things that relate to you. And if we're living now in a world where people are deciding, hey, you know what, Uh, we can kind of choose. I see the problem, David, is right now, society is not where you're at (laughs) to say, oh, well, we're all eating off the same earth. And we're all here together. And I don't see society getting into that kumbaya moment anytime soon. And so maybe that's why morals were so necessary. Maybe that's why we're seeing the age of inversion and the age of things falling apart at the present moment. Maybe it's people like yourself that's going to help glue the world back together. I, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking as I'm listening here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think change is happening much more rapidly than it would appear from watching the evening news. Right. I do think there's a lot happening under the surface. Um, like these mycelium networks, you know, like we don't see them, but they're connecting everything. And I do think there's a lot of people with a growing awareness that are fascinated in this. There is a lot of people, um, you know, looking for psychedelic experiences and looking to kind of challenge their preconceived notions of who they are and how the world works. Um, And, yeah, it's going to be somewhat iterative. It might take a couple more generations to really start to see the change that we're hoping and needing to see. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, that's very fast. 50 years is very fast. And I think, right. you know, we're really heading into something now that is, I mean, it's, it's seen this way for a while, right? That it just keeps getting faster and faster. And some people think we're approaching that singularity with technology or whatever, but I really feel deep in my bones that this is all preceding or part of a a mass spiritual awakening.
0: What role has AI in Neuralink and Vision Pro in a spiritual awakening?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. I mean, a lot of times, you know, we don't realize how much our adversaries are teaching us. So a lot of it can just be like showing for for me like when i see this stuff i'm like oh that's a hard no this is like clearly we don't want to go down this road some people might need to deal with the technology they might need to lose their sense of joy or wonder or ability to connect with other people before they're like oh shit i'm spending way too much time like in screens and not interacting with the real world so a lot of it's just trial and error of us playing with things and coming to these realizations in our own time, in our own way. Everybody's wired differently. Everybody's got their own personalities, their own programming and conditioning, where they live, how they grew up and, and what they're interested in. And it's all fine. There's no right or wrong to it. We're free to play with this technology as much as we want. It seems really clear to me. Why would I, why would you ever put a Neuralink in your brain? like That just seems like an obviously terrible idea, but people will line up to do it, you know, because that's just kind of the human body. We're like, we're really curious animals and we haven't reached the point yet of emotional maturity uh, to catch up to the things we're creating. Like we're, we're far more intellectually intelligent than we are emotionally intelligent. So we're creating things that we don't really understand how to use. I say it all the time. I have a, an eight year old daughter that like, because we're the last generation that grew up without screens and, and phones the way that they are now we're raising kids who a lot of them are getting it like full-time. They're getting it from a really young age. I say it's an experiment. We have no idea what we're doing, how this is going to affect them long-term. You know, I'm, I'm navigating it too. My daughter watches screens, but we try to be (laughs) smart about it.
0: This leads me to someone that we spoke about before the show uh, a couple weeks ago. You had talked about, uh, this learning how to love that through your journey of, uh, the deconstruction of self where you were in New York, before you went on the journey, found a shaman and decided that that's the path that you wanted to be on, that you had the first to grieve other things, grieve your childhood, mm-hmm. grieve, parent, uh, relationships, parental relationships. That's the same for all of us, right? We, we all have emotional trauma from different parts of our life. How does one learn how to love both self and others? What advice can you give to listeners as far as the patience that's required for that, or what needs to happen to start working on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you don't know where to start, um, there's a lot of people in the world like me that can guide you through certain processes. Um, A lot of it for me was activated in breath work. I would do this, Uh, They would call it conscious circular breathing. So it's just connecting your in and out breath. Um, And after doing that for 20 minutes, some tears start to, you know, and eventually the, my guide would ask me what's going on. And there'd be like a memory from my childhood coming up. I don't know. I, I don't, it's, this isn't a memory that I know about. It's like something I completely forgot about that came back.
0: So, so, so on the journey for learning how to love, Yes. What's where do people begin? Like if, if they're like, you know what? I have this trauma in my past. I need to learn how to still love through the trauma. How does one begin that journey?
1: Well, really with permission, you know, I think we have to give ourselves permission to feel, which is something else that we don't really like to do. We're comfortable thinking and trying to let thinking dominate our lives. But Um, so much of the stuff that's unresolved in us is emotional, is stuff we weren't allowed to feel that we had to suppress. Trauma is a different story because trauma is typically things that were too big, uh, too overwhelming for us to feel and process in the moment. So uh, in the most kind of simplistic way, trauma is a, a, a situation that didn't get to complete itself. So it got interrupted somewhere that we kind of froze up, disassociated, went into that traumatic shock. Um, so I've known a lot of those people. And, you know, there is that path, too, of of learning how to um, release and resolve trauma. There's no one path to do it. You know, that's kind of the beauty of it, too, is you can find people that you feel comfortable working with. I think that's of the utmost importance is, to find healers and guides um, and modalities that you feel resonant with. If you have a particular belief system or if you like working with men or women or whatever, like there's just so many options out there now. Um, But a lot of it really just comes down to like making that decision and that commitment to ourselves, giving ourselves the permission, but like, it is a conscious decision. You know, at some point I was like, I need to, I want to feel better. I don't, I know this isn't how I want to go through my life. Right. So I started, you know, reading books, like I said, and seeking out ways to do this. And life just has a way of kind of funneling you where you need to be so you can trust the intelligence of the universe, whatever you want to call it, to lead you in the right direction mm. um, and find, you know, the right people to support you in your healing journey
0: isn't it tough though sometimes to find the right people that are supposed to lead us and, and the reason i share this there was a video that i saw earlier today uh, i scrolling through uh, my messages on instagram that people are sending me stuff and i see this video from this guy and i guess he's like a a coach for sales tactics uh he's got a huge following his his name is elliot but I, i'm not quite sure beyond that like what his last name is or what his chick is but He's on there telling these guys how to manipulate other people and keep the sale alive. But then he starts like picking on people's appearances. He's like, lift your shirt up for me. And the guy looks up, he's got a little bit of a pot belly on him and stuff. And he goes, Are you who your wife fantasizes after? <laughs> and I'm like, This just seems so dirty and fraudulent to me. The fact that there's men out there that feel that's the only way to attain what they want, the respect. And he starts talking about, when you come home from work, you don't talk ever about how bad your day might've been. You come home excited, you know, you come home with, and I'm going, yeah, but isn't that just denying ourselves of when we have bad days? Like if you're truly in that partnership in that marriage with somebody, shouldn't you be able to cry together? Shouldn't be able to celebrate together? Um, to be able to share in the wins and the losses. And I'm kind of curious, like, why is it that that's so attractive as a modality for men to to continue on to the tough guy? I can't talk about my feelings versus what you're talking about. Like, yeah, let's break this down. Let's talk about what your block is and what's going to work best for you for, you know, why is it men are still attracted to that old school thought process?
1: it's just doubling down on control, right? It's trying to control and manipulate your life into happiness, um, which doesn't work. It won't work. It might work for a minute, you know, here and there, but ultimately it's not going to lead us to lasting fulfillment and happiness. I think, you know, we find the people that we need to find. So you wouldn't go see that coach. I wouldn't go see that coach, but people that are, resonant with that way of thinking and looking at the world might go work with this guy. Maybe some of them will love it. Maybe some of them will be like, this doesn't seem right. Um, everybody's got to find their own path, you know, and, and there's tons of terrible people that you can work with out there, (laughs) you know? So sometimes it is trial and error. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of healing work over the years and I can't say every last person I've worked with has been like a home run. This person's amazing. Like, you know, I, I, I also haven't stepped into a situation that I was like, "Oh dear Lord, what have I done?" Thankfully, but you know that can happen too if people don't use enough discernment with, you know, their right. their healers and teachers and guides. Um, so it really does come down to again, like listening to yourself and what you need. If you can do that, it's why the meditation, why the quiet is important, because we can't hear ourselves we hear our thoughts and our thoughts are noisy, you know, call it the monkey mind. Like it just never stops going. So we need to create that space to really settle down and be able to listen to our intuition. We know what the intuition is, but that's also like a very kind of feminine coded word and men, men aren't intuitive. Men are like forceful and decisive and Whatever. So, But the intuition is the part of us that knows without having to deliberate. It's actually much wiser than the deliberating mind which wants to have its plans and schemes. So to be able to be quiet and still and start to tune into the intuition will guide us through life much easier in a much kind of straighter path than the zigzagging if we're blowing in the wind, listening to our thoughts, trying to figure out you know, how to navigate right. by that tool.
0: I want to get into a couple uh, topics here um, and maybe see where this kind of goes. So talking the gene Atman uh, several weeks ago, uh, we were talking about the things that you need to clear from your life. And I, I kind of wanted to relate it to, uh, okay, well, people are broken. And she's like, oh, I completely disagree with you. I want to challenge you on that. Greg, people are not broken. People just have things they haven't let go of yet. And that's what they're holding on to. They're just holding on. That has been one of the most challenging statements that I've sat with for almost the last month. (laughs) Because I don't let things go well. And I don't really understand what this concept of clearing energy means. And I'm guessing if I still can't grasp my mind around that, that other people can't either. Can you give us a 101 on that identification process and letting go, or how you would explain it as a shaman?
1: Well, to, just to interject, I don't call myself a shaman. Uh,
0: okay, but well, sh- sh- shamanic experience, <laughs> <laughs> shamanic healer, yes. practitioner. I'm yeah, not a yeah. so that, shaman. That- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah i mean forgiveness and letting go is its own path of work that we have to do and it's a big one right um and there's not one way to do that either but you know i find like self-inquiry the process of self-inquiry to be a really uh, effective way to start to examine our beliefs and what are we holding on to why why are we holding on to it? You know, it's generally just because we think it's true. But do you ever question if what you believe is actually true? (laughs) We just assume that it is, you know, because the mind has decided and that's how it is. So just to be able to start to question ourselves and create some context for understanding, a big part of it is to be able to look at the other side of the equation. If we think, A lot of our forgiveness uh, a lot of the things we seem to struggle with letting go of have to do with other people right things that they have done to us or doing to us or scheming to do to us and you know to be able to ask the question why are they doing that you know if i if i was if i was you i would do the same as you were doing if i was born in the totality of your circumstances and lived your life I would do the same thing you're doing. Right. But we carry these ideas that of shoulds, right? We, we need to rid ourselves of shoulds. People should do this, people shouldn't do this. That's where we get in all the trouble, right? That's where we think we know how the world is supposed to be. And we don't know how the world is supposed to be, nobody knows, it's spontaneously arising, there is a supreme divine intelligence, but you and I don't have the master plan. So for us to sit around and arrogantly think, those people shouldn't be doing that. This shouldn't be happening. That shouldn't be happening. This should be happening. It's madness. Like, where does that even come from? You know, like just this idea that we think we know. You know, I think I don't know. It's just a fear of of not knowing. It's a fear of sitting in our not knowing this terrifies us.
0: You know what's phenomenal to me about your journey? I'm just thinking that the pharmaceutical industry has people hooked on their pharmaceuticals at the tune of billions of dollars, whether it's antidepressants, uh, antipsychotics, whatever it may be. How many of these individuals could have been helped with a psychedelic therapy, do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, probably most of them. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's a caveat. Like, psychedelics are not for everybody. Not everybody's going to have a good time with that. Um, And there's definitely, like, for anybody listening, you know, be very careful if you're on medication to use psychedelics. Like, talk to a professional because there's lots of contraindications with certain medications that you Mm -hmm. could have, you know, adverse reactions potentially. Um, That said... This is what our ancestors did. People have been drinking ayahuasca, eating mushrooms for thousands and thousands of years in indigenous cultures. And they don't have antidepressants. They don't have a need for them because they can hold this space for each other to process whatever they're going through. And these medicines are of a tremendous support to be able to process and release. The medicines themselves are like great healers. You know, the ayahuasca um and uh, and mushrooms have uh like a master spirit you know that you can interact with uh, when you're under the influence and that that spirit sort of wrecks healing in your system through its own intelligence which i still after the number of times i've used them don't understand you know i recently was telling someone like that it's why they call it magic mushrooms like i don't know it seems magical <laughs> I had a, I had a uh, pain in my lower back for like a year. And then after some mushrooms, it just vanished. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) I'm grateful that it did, but it just has ways of bringing things back into balance and into the flow in a way that creates healing in a very natural way.
0: Were you thinking about the pain uh, when you were taking them and like thinking about being healed or is it just a rewiring?
1: I think it's just a rewiring. There's a lot of things that happen in that state that I'm not directing, controlling, intending even, you know, there's just a rebalancing of your energy centers, what people call your chakras. Um, There's, it it works in such a multidimensional way that it's really impossible for the mind to track and understand what is happening in any given psychedelic journey. It's truly mystifying. And, not even the light and color show that can happen like that's its own sort of um, experience which can be remarkable and beautiful but isn't necessarily healing in and of itself it's the stuff that goes on in the body and in the mind and in the heart you know it's it's just these things are from nature they are from spirit and they are expressions of love and i have i have a friend one of my um, breath coaches who said likes to say uh, love will bring up anything unlike itself for the purpose of healing? So, the love of whatever you want to call it will will show you where's the parts of yourself that are not in love, that are not that are withholding love, that are not in forgiveness or permission or whatever it is. You know. So the journey is really n- not to become love or find love, but just to clear away the blocks that are preventing us from experiencing that love because that love, that happiness, that joy, that is our, our true nature. That's who we are before we complicated it with our, our thinking and our concepts and our beliefs and all these right. structures, you know, look at children, right? Like I, I love, one of the things I, I kept from my Christian upbringing was the, the verse, um, that Jesus says, unless you become like the children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? What are children like? They're innocent. They're open. They're loving. They're playful. They're not serious. They're not caught in separation with each other. There's just this openness to them. And I love that. I love the number of stories about children kind of swarming Jesus because they recognize He gets it. He knows how to play. I have to imagine Jesus was very playful and probably had a great sense of humor, you know, stuff we don't necessarily hear about, but that is the kingdom of heaven is, is it's here. It's not somewhere we go in the afterlife, although it may be that too, but like, it's not something we have to wait for. It's just the awareness of the divine in all of this in all of creation in each other. And it's really quite simple. And when we can orient to that way of seeing the world through our own healing and awakening process and practice. Um, you know, like I said, everything else just kind of falls into place after that. We don't have to worry about what do we do about agenda 2030, (laughs) right? Like if enough people wake up to who they are, it will take care of itself. We will find a way to shut it down or not comply or whatever it is, you know, like it's, it's not something we have to scheme and worry about. You know, it'll all just kind of naturally take care of itself. That's what I think.
0: So at the end of the day, Bobby McFerrin was right. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Don't <laughs> worry
1: because you are happiness itself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sometimes it's easier. Said Too many than syllables done. for that song. <laughs> not as catchy. <laughs> not as sure. catchy. <laughs> but, you know, I also. To get not to throw too much shade at Bobby McFerrin, but like sometimes we compulsively worry, so we have to we have to honor that part of ourselves too, and not right. push back on what's happening. You know, sometimes it's easier to just say, "Oh, I notice that I'm worrying right now." Give that a little space. Don't resist it. Don't push back on it, and see what happens. Right, but when we give ourselves mandates of "Don't do this," we're creating right. resistance, and we're certainly going to do more of that. It's a nice so reminder. So I mean so you're I,
0: saying Mas, Master Yoda was correct. Which which Master Yoda. So Yoda's saying do Any or do fun. not, there is no try. He wanted to eliminate the negative connotations, eliminate the should, eliminate the do not. Uh just do, just be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, read the Dao Te Ching. you ever read the Dao De Ching? No. That's got a lot of good short verses that kind of speak in this kind of language, you know, Okay. this is the way of heaven, do your work and then quietly step back, things like that. You know, it's like, it's very simple, all of this. And it can't really be spoken about everything I'm saying is kind of dancing around this transcendent reality, which is because I'm using my mind and I'm using language, which is going to be, unclear sometimes and is going to kind of dance around i can't you know the the name god does not really tell you what god is right it's a label that we hang on something that's ultimately mysterious and beyond comprehension but we do the best we can to use words to communicate these concepts to try to point ourselves in the right direction to point ourselves you know it's not the finger pointing at the moon right yeah
0: so, it, where, if somebody's listening to this show and they're like, this is pretty interesting stuff we have going here. Psychedelics, talk about the legalization. We got states like Oregon that have already legalized. I think the criminalization of psychedelics in your own state of Colorado exists for small amounts. Um, if people wanted to go on a journey and wanted to immerse themselves into this type of world, and talk to somebody about where they get started. Uh, how does somebody get in touch with somebody like yourself or get in touch with yourself to prepare them on mentally? What's next?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's part of the way I do is um, I, I do coaching and preparation work for people that are, are stepping into this world to just kind of talk about what is it like, how do you prepare, how do you take care of your body leading up to this? What can you expect? Just kind of basic questions. What does it feel like when it's coming on? What do I do when I get into a tough spot with it? You know, and just kind of offer people some guidance around that. Um, There are other people, there's a growing, you know, number of people and organizations that are sort of offering this service, these kinds of services. I don't necessarily want to like plug any of those because I don't know them. Um, first hand, not
0: trying to get anybody arrested either, (laughs) just in
1: case. (laughs) No. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you know, I'm not providing medicines to anybody. Um, but I'm helping people to prepare for these experiences. I also do the integration, uh, work with people, which is another very important and often overlooked aspect of psychedelic therapy is what do I do when it's over? Because it can be such a big and powerful and overwhelming experience. Um, you know, a lot can happen in the experience that feels like complete, but a lot of times there can be lingering questions or something that maybe feels like it's not totally complete. And so we can dig into that a little bit and kind of help that energy get where it needs to go so people can feel balanced in themselves. But to me, the work of psychedelics is not to go see the pretty colors and have visions of God. It's, it is, how can I live a better life? how can i be a better husband and father and member of society you know and i think too often people are just chasing the roller coaster of psychedelics and and don't really do the integration work after there's this beautiful window after a psychedelic journey where your mind is really open there's a lot of like new plasticity and kind of openness happening in there where you can really make some powerful changes in your life to go in directions that you want to go in. But we have this momentum of the ego self, which, you know, is looking for opportunities to like shut it down and go back to the way things were, because that's familiar. And that's comfortable, even if we were not happy. You know, at least we can try to control it better. So it can be a little scary and shaky, which again is why it can be helpful to have a guide in these spaces um, to really take advantage of what's happening to you in the days and sort of weeks after a big experience like that, where like you can really be open to seeing things in different ways that maybe you you weren't otherwise. And it can be really, you know, powerful work to do in that space.
0: So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how do they do so? Uh anybody wants can
1: check out my website, it's ordinaryawakenings.com. Um you know, you can see my different services on there. I do all my work virtually uh as well as in person. If anyone's in Colorado, I'd be happy to connect. But um, you know, we can do this all at the quantum level too, over over Zoom or whatever. Um There it is. Ordinary wakings. Look at that fella. Um, Yeah, I love doing this work. I do uh, spiritual coaching work as well, which kind of is more partnering with people over uh, a few months, three to six months, typically, where we can really dig in and look at your belief system, look at what's holding you back and do some of this work that we've been kind of touching on tonight, you know, giving yourself permission to feel and And looking at where you might need to, um, practice some forgiveness, you know, techniques or I, I, you know, I really meet people where they're at and just try to take them deeper into themselves, try to find, help you find your own answers. I'm not trying to give you what I'm selling. I want to lead you to your own truth. You know, that's the only way that it works. No one ever changes for other people. We only change because it makes sense to us. Um, but I see, I do see that sacred quality in everyone I work with, you know, I, d- I don't see the brokenness. I see that people <laughs> are perfect as they are. Everybody's on their own healing journey. They're, they're learning, they're growing, they're evolving in every lifetime. And, um, I'm just happy to support people and, and love talking about this stuff. So appreciate you. No, it's, it, it, it's, on. it's
0: evident, uh, you know, having the discussion, there's, so many other conversations we could have. I'd love to get into another conversation uh, where we could get into what would people expect? What is it like uh, to enter that world? What, you know, should you expect your pulse to increase? Are you aware of that? Like (laughs) I I'd love to do a show with you just talking about some of those things. Um, ordinaryawakenings.com everybody uh, on there you can learn more about his services as well as I see you have a book a free introductory session as well so make sure if you'd like to speak with David go ahead and click on that uh, it will bring you uh, to a scheduling form uh, for everything from windows the wellness specials energy healing sessions spiritual life coach space clearings plant medicine preparation inner uh, integration to the free introductory session so make sure you scroll down so the bottom there, you'll see that. Uh, and then let David know you, you, heard about it here on America emboldened. You were speaking with, uh, Greg and David, uh, during the show and what piqued your interest, because I would love for him to share with me, you know, if this show was, was helpful to, to you guys. Um, I hope that it was, uh, David, I, I think that this is a side of, uh, content that people aren't concentrating on right now. And I think it's it's a good thing to be having this conversation with you, and to recalibrate my show in different ways from time to time, to make sure that I'm serving people something that's fresh and helpful, and not just regurgitating the same thing that they can find uh, by listening to a Ben Shapiro or somebody like that. And so, I appreciate you coming onto the show and being willing to to have this conversation with me. It, it was it was really enlightening and even more so the to reconnect tonight it was it was nice
1: yeah it was very nice Craig. thanks for having me on and i i appreciate you stretching yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit here and exploring some you know unexplored territory and yeah it's it's fascinating it's endless like what's going on inside of us i think is way more interesting than what's going on out there <laughs> so <laughs> the real journey is the journey within and i'd be happy to you know connect with anybody who wants to take their next step on that journey and happy to come back and talk with you anytime. Thank
0: you. Appreciate it, David. Yeah. All right. Bold Americans. I hope I say this every single episode. I hope that we honored your time. Well, and I really believe that this was a good honoring of your time. It it didn't rely on some of the other places that I go to Avenue wise, talking politics. And I find myself at the end of the show right now, Feeling calm, uh, feeling hopeful, and feeling like that was worthwhile for me. If it was worthwhile for me, then hopefully it was also for you as well. Leave me some comments. Go over, you can find this in video format on all those channels, whether it's YouTube, Rumble, Patreon, etc. Patreon.com backslash America Emboldened. If you're listening on the America Out Loud Network, you got the comment section there as well write to me. Let me know how this information, what resonated with you. I want to hear from you. I want to know more. And then we can calibrate the show together as the bold American audience and figure out what exactly it is that you would like to hear more of. That's it. That's all, everybody. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, David Darling, here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America.